everyone and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, are you a fortune teller? Do you have the MLS's back tournament crystal ball? I'm not sure if fortune tellers can actually reveal themselves. <laughs> But for some reason, I just felt that this game, I felt that LAFC is still dangerous, even when they don't have a lot of chances. And I knew I I knew Orlando was going to get an equalizer. I just knew it. You texted me both of those things after the first half. I said, (laughs) Jordan, LAFC had no shots in the first half. And you said, yeah, I I think they're still dangerous. So and lo and behold, they get a goal from Bradley Wright Phillips in the 60th minute to go up one nil. Then later in the second half, you text me. Wait, wait, wait. On their first shot. On their first shot. Ridiculous. You're too good. Yeah. Then later in the second half, in the 84th minute, you texted me again. I went back to timestamp this text in the game. And you said, I want PKs in all caps. And guess what happened, everybody? (laughs) We got penalties in the quarterfinal matchup between Orlando City and LAFC. Orlando City go on to win it. Let's start with them. Let's start with Orlando City. They came to play in this game. Credit to Oscar Pereja for that. I would have bet not a significant amount of money because I'm not really a betting guy, but I would have bet at least a dollar that Orlando City would have sat deeper and tried to absorb pressure from LAFC and hit on the break. They didn't do that. Yes, they defended in a lower block at times and did a pretty darn good job of it too, but they came into this game and went toe-to-toe with LEFC, matching their playing style and even doing it better for stretches of this game. Which begs the question, is this the way you get out LAFC? You just hit them with the exact same thing they're doing to you. Mm. It's hard to do though, right? Not every team can do what Oscar Pereja and Orlando City have done, but if you can, that might be an answer. And it actually looked like it was... I think it was like the 78th minute through like the 84th minute. It looked like it was going to be over for Orlando City. Like they didn't have the fitness to get through that last push that they needed. Well, they ended up having it. But it looked like if you're going to play that way, and I I said it last time we were talking about LAFC, is like what fitness plan are they on, right? Because they are so fit that they can keep running at teams for an entire 90 minutes with that type of high pressure. And yeah, I thought Orlando City really nailed a lot of things today. What do you want to start with, Joe? I want to start with Orlando and more specifically their work with the ball. Okay. Every time in this tournament, they've come out in in, in the three group stage games, in the round of 16 matchup, and then again in this quarterfinal, they come out and they look comfortable working the ball out of counter pressure, possessing the ball, switching it higher up the field, getting the ball over to Nani and letting him play make, but also taking advantage of Juan, and it was Chris Mueller, at least for the first half of this game. They're such a balanced team and they're not afraid to play out of pressure. LAFC's thing, defensively at least, is their counter-pressing. And I took note of a sequence in the 37th minute where Orlando won the ball deep in their half after John Moutinho won the ball from Brian Rodriguez in the box. And then Orlando just settle in. They get in their possession. Nani helps them switch the point of attack. Then they move the ball higher up the field, get it over to Nani, and he was 1v1 against Tristan Blackman. And that's not a great matchup for LAFC. Right. But they didn't shy away from what LAFC was doing. And that's so impressive to me. Well, when the when teams hit you with a counter press in a really intense high pressing system, like we see with LAFC, like we see in a lot of moments with New York Red Bulls, what happens is if you play through it, you actually end up having a lot of space beyond that first line of pressure. And I agree. I thought that I don't know if the moment that I keyed into was the exact moment that you were talking about. I think it was a little bit earlier than that. I unfortunately didn't time stamp <laughs> mine like Joe Lowry. So um, 
let's just say B minus to Jordan, A plus to Joe. Ouch, that's harsh but, to you, Jordan. Uh, but they beat that initial line of high pressure from LAFC. And what happens is they get the ball onto the right side of attack at Mueller's feet. And what I liked about this is he's dribbling at the back line. And I thought that there was a real weakness in the way that LAFC played in this game and maybe play in general that Akindele did a really good job of pulling a center back out of position. So pulling a center back out of that normal spot, especially in the defensive third. This time it was Yakovic actually, that he pulled and dragged him out of the center of the box into the corner. And typically me as a soccer player, I do not like that run from a center forward dragging himself centrally and then pulling out wide, right? Into that channel, into that half space or that Man City zone, right? Because then there's no one in the box to score. But what was important about this is if you pull one of those center backs with you, which Akindele did a few times, then that forces a center midfielder for LAFC to drop into that space. And I don't think their midfielders want to defend, right? They will get back and they will get themselves into spaces. But when it comes to actually defending, I, I don't think that's a strength of theirs. And so I think that movement by Akindele was really key. And, um, you know, it didn't pan out, but I think pulling those center backs apart a little bit really helped Orlando. And that is a different sequence than the one I described. So that, again, speaks to Orlando's on-ball ability and their willingness to to try things and play confidently, especially getting forward into the attacking half. That's the offensive side of things. Defensively, they held LAFC, I mentioned it already, they held LAFC to zero shots in the first half. I wanted to know why. I wanted to go back and figure out what they were doing that made life so difficult for LAFC. First of all, caveat, LAFC weren't super great in that first half. Bob Bradley said his team didn't play in that first half with a little water break interview in the second half. But setting that aside, Orlando City did three things largely well in the first half defensively. Number one, high pressure. They pressured mm-hmm. LAFC and made life difficult for them in buildup. Number two, they counterpressed as well. After Orlando City lost the ball in the final third, they did what LAFC does so well most often. They won the ball after losing the ball. The back line then, if they couldn't win it high up the field, even stepped in to clean up whatever danger was left. That was a great look from them as well. Mm-hmm. Can I guess number three? Please do. They won second ball. Yes, yes, Jordan. They did, frequently. LAFC, was that really your third? That was my third thing. Very good, Angelie. Thank you. The way, the way that Orlando City did not allow LAFC to step in and win those duels and restart attacks. Because if you give LAFC fewer attacks, that's only going to mean good things are happening for your <laughs> attacks and your offensive potential. Orlando City did all three of those things. High pressure, counter pressure, winning balls very well in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I If we're going to stay with defensive things... Joe, I can't believe you didn't say this. We need to shout out the center backs for <laughs> yeah. Orlando City. Yeah. Antonio Carlos and Janssen were phenomenal. Janssen, in the number of times that he picked the ball off by LAFC trying to either play in between the seam between the center backs or have Bradley Wright Phillips run in the seam and then try to thread it just on the other side of Janssen. He just kept picking the ball off. It was like he was baiting them to play that ball, and then he was like, okay, I'll just take it. It happened over and over and over again. And I think part of the reason why I started watching that backline for Orlando City specifically 
And I think they maybe dropped off a little bit. Once they lost the ball, they almost allowed a gap between their back four and the midfield to, to give their defenders time and space to read the play happening in front of them. Because they knew that LAFC was trying to transition quickly, that's how LAFC scored their first two goals against the Sounders. Orlando City recognized that. I, I think this is what happened. I could be totally wrong. But it looked to me as though they <laughs> recognized that space and allowed their defenders to make defensive plays by giving them just a split second more time to play and step in instead of trying to track back and deal with balls when you're playing from behind. Yeah, I was impressed with their cohesion as a back line. They pulled LAFC offside a couple times when they were in that what you said when they did drop off, uh, they were just, they were in sync with each other. And that's not an Orlando reference, but it kind of is. It's not an Orlando reference, but it kind of is. <laughs> I just, as I said, it, I was like, in sync is very uh, Orlando centered. <laughs> Anyways, it's not even that late and I'm being that's weird. Okay. Who knows? That's okay. we, we bring it. <laughs> We've talked a lot of Orlando City so far, but I saw a tweet from you, Jordan, in the first half okay. about a little movement from Diego Rossi that people might not have noticed. So can you set the scene mm-hmm. for us and we'll we'll use that as our conduit to talk a little bit about LAFC? Yeah, it was the goal that LAFC scored that eventually was called back because Rodriguez was offside. And it was a good call. And I love this edition of VAR that we get to go inside the minds of these pro referees and see what's happening at the VAR booth stand. I don't know what to call it, (laughs) but we get to go over there. And so it eventually gets called back. And I just thought that this was something really interesting. And thinking back over the times that I've watched LAFC play, I feel like this is a very key movement that Rossi does is he's playing on the right side in this game as a right winger and he plays a little bit more centrally so then it allows Blackman to get up and down the wing right and we've already talked about before in our analysis of games is LASC like to play centrally, right? And connect a lot of passes centrally to then spring into that Manchester City zone and then there's numbers in the box in a key place to score goals, which is exactly what happens here. But one of the things that is important, the ball gets turned over. And honestly, I don't know how who has it. I think Mark Anthony Kay had the ball. Correct. Yep. That threaded it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark Anthony Kay got the ball and this was in a transition moment. And so Orlando was a little bit more stretched than they had been. And what happens? Kay is faced up towards the back line. And from the right side, Rossi runs about from outside the post centrally into like almost that space where the two center backs occupy right in front of that space. And what this run does is you could see all the Orlando defenders look to their left to see the run of Rossi. And they all took one. Some even took two steps towards Rossi, right? Because he's dangerous in that space, right? You have to respect that because they shifted the gap between the right center back of Orlando and the right outside back became even greater, which is where the ball was threaded through to Rodriguez and eventually got called back. But it was, it looked like a beautiful goal, right? And that channel does not get open and you don't get that kind of space unless you have that run from Rossi. And these are the things that when you talk about a player who, I mean, he's scoring goals like crazy, right? He didn't even touch the ball there. And he shifted the defense significantly. So um, this is also why I think and why I texted you. LAFC is good. They don't need a lot of chances because they will score a goal. And they proved that. 
I love the minutia there because I saw you tweet that and I had no clue what Diego Rossi had done on that play. So I watched that play back and looked specifically at Rossi. And you were so right. Everything that you just described happens. It's cool, huh? And, and this play doesn't happen without that. It, it looks better if it ends up as a goal. But soccer, the margins are so small. This play is important, not just in this moment, but in every moment that Rossi manipulates defenders with his movement going forward and in the past as well. Enjoy him while he lasts here. Yeah, he's not long for this, not in this world, but this league at least. <laughs> there was a real period right? of time in this game where it looks like LAFC are going to win this match. After mm-hmm. Orlando City's penalty by Nani is saved by Kenneth Vermeer in the 57th minute. Which was an unreal save. It was such a good save. He almost, um, now that we've both talked on um, Inside the 18, yep, mm-hmm. I look at different things for goalkeepers now, and he had a... F- he dove to his right and his right palm was big and his left, he had a left fist and he almost like hit it on the butt end of his fist to push the ball out, which I thought was really smart because your wrist is stronger there. And because the, the shot was hard, I don't know if he meant to do that or if that's just how it happened. But I was like, wow, that was a cool technique. I'm going to note that. The goalkeeper analysis is great, Jordan. I don't have that one in my arsenal, you know? so props to you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now you do. <laughs> it's minutes after... That penalty is saved. The LAFC come back. Three minutes later, they get a goal from Bradley Wright Phillips in the 60th minute. Orlando City are playing, and that's what I gave them credit for and what we talked about already, but they get caught on the ball here. Mendez drops deep to make himself an option. Rossi picks his pocket, drives down the right side of the box, and plays a low cross from the Manchester City zone, which I think we might need to rename on this podcast, at least the LAFC zone. I'll submit that to the board yeah, for approval. that's true. Okay. But they, they play we'll the cross. <laughs> Rossi plays the cross in from that zone on the right side of the box to Bradley Wright Phillips, and he finishes from inside the six-yard box. One mistake from Orlando City, and LAFC are on the board. It wasn't the first touch by Mendez that got him in trouble. It was his second touch. He had his first touch, and then he tried to take a little bit of space, and he was closed, and then LAFC a couple passes later, and that is a goal that Bradley Wright Phillips has scored time and time again and now it looks like he's going to continue scoring goals like that with LAFC he's the perfect player for this number nine spot for Los Angeles yeah, football club he really is he, he came over on a free they get him for nothing they all they have to do is pay him his salary and whatever they're paying Bradley Wright Phillips that number is probably out there somewhere it's worth it it's so worth it his movement inside the box he, he runs in between the center backs no one can figure out where he is in time the ball from Rossi is good it's like a little cross cut back thing that that is right on Bradley Wright Phillips' foot, and he finishes emphatically. And that's 1-0. Then there's a period of time, like you said earlier, that it looked like LAFC were going to win this game. Orlando City didn't seem to have the legs. They were struggling a little bit. But then you fast forward, and none of that mattered. It's the 90th minute. It's a corner from Nani, and he curls an outswinger to the head of John Moutinho, who beats Jordan Harvey to the ball to finish, and that's the equalizer. Yeah. You know what I really like about this goal? And it's a set-piece goal, so I think people are like, oh, there's not a lot to analyze. Yeah, there is. I I think Jao Moutinho did the exact right thing. Instead of running right when like the ball gets kicked and you can't really see the flight and you just are getting to a spot, he actually like just holds and he's like moving kind of slowly. And then as he reads the flight of the ball, he's like, here I go. And it was really good patience in his run and reading the flight of the ball to know where it was going to land. But if he would have made his run hard into the space where he just thought the ball might have gone, that goal would have never happened. And to add to that set piece analysis, the way LAFC were defending this corner kick, they went man to man 
in a lot of the, the front post area or, or outside the six-yard box towards the corner flag. But then Jordan Harvey, it looked to me at least, was the zonal defender at the back of the six-yard box. And Motinho sees that, and he's hanging out at the back of kind of the back of everything that's happening anyway. And so it's Harvey a few feet away from Motinho. They're almost vertically uh-huh. aligned with each other. And because Harvey is that zonal defender, I think that's why he's late to react to Motinho, because he's technically not his man. On paper, Motinho yeah. isn't his only man. On paper, Harvey is responsible for that entire space. And so he's not worried about Motinho until Motinho crashes in. And because, like you said, Jordan, to tie it all together, the run is delayed, Harvey doesn't pick him up until it's too late. And then he gets beaten to the ball, and that's the equalizer. That's 1-1. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I didn't realize that was Harvey and ouch, double ouch there for him tonight. I, I loved playing the zonal marker in a corner kick or zonal area. So it depended if we played full zone, which I did in college or like a little bit of a modified zone and man marking, which we typically did when I was playing pro. I loved that because if you can read the flight of the ball you know your area and you know your range, right? And you have to go win the ball. You have to be fearless in pursuit of winning the ball. And if you don't have those qualities, you cannot be a man. You cannot be a zonal player in a defensive corner kick scheme. And so I don't agree with you that Harvey didn't know that Jao Matinho was there. It didn't matter who was there. Harvey had to win the space and he didn't win the space. And that's your job. And maybe let me clarify. I, I, Harvey saw Matinho there. But I don't think he was right, worried okay. about him until it was too late. And maybe we're splitting hairs here. And right. I, I'll defer either yeah, yeah. way. I just wanted to I wanted to just throw that zonal thing in there. I'm glad because defending a corner kick to me, a layman, seems terrifying in every way. You either lose a 1v1 battle or you get dunked on in your zone. Like there's no win here unless you literally do win the ball. Yeah. And I guess that's the positive situation. Yeah. I. And it is Jordan Harvey. I. <laughs> it is Jordan Harvey who misses that penalty kick that allows... Orlando City to win this game in the first place. So double whammy for Jordan Harvey. Orlando yeah, City, though, are yikes. through. They're on to play the winner of Minnesota United and the San Jose Earthquakes in the semifinal round. I can't even handle Like, it's going to be wild. <laughs> in my brain, I have a matchup that I want to see. But I think either team matching up against Orlando with how they're playing right now, and I think it'll be a little bit different without Mueller because I really do feel like he has had... I've, I've enjoyed watching him play over the last couple of years, but I really do feel like he is starting to get recognized as a player who can be a game changer for this Orlando City team. And he he loves the game in a way that you know he's eating up everything Pereja is feeding him, right? He's like, all right, I'll do this for you, coach. I'll do this for you. He's showing that every single game. So I think that Orlando City will look different, but either one of these teams, wow, some crazy looking matchups we'll find out that opponent tomorrow when we analyze the two remaining games from the mls's back tournament quarterfinal round nycfc versus the portland timbers and san jose versus minnesota united until then jordan thank you for chatting with me and we'll be back again tomorrow all right joe we'll see you then